It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. How is it that an individual who is known to MI5 in Britain uh, who was on a watch list as of 2020, ended up in a synagogue in Texas. How, how did that happen? Oh, well, our understanding, and obviously we're still looking into this, is that um, he was checked against U.S. government databases multiple times prior to entering the country, and the U.S. government did not have any derogatory information about the individual in our systems at the time of entry. We're certainly looking back, as I referenced, at what occurred to learn every possible lesson we can to prevent attacks like this in the future. Uh, Beyond that, I'd certainly refer you to the Department of Homeland Security. Obviously, the president referred to the incident as as an act of terror. What is the significance of referring to the individual as a terrorist or referring to the incident as a terrorist incident? I think, and I talked to the president about this um, that day as well, I think there's no question that uh, when somebody uh, goes into a, a house of worship, Um, and threatens uh, and holds hostage individuals who are there, uh, that that is an act of terror. That is terrorism. That is why he called it that, because we don't need to be, uh, because it's very clear it's what it is. Go ahead. Hi, thanks. So that's really tough talk, isn't it? We know. I mean, we are, we call it terrorism. You know, talk is really cheap, and people's lives are at stake. And the Biden administration has opened up the borders. You cannot deny that. I read some stats this morning about how many people are coming across, and they don't know how the Islamist who tried to kill people in that temple, who finally was killed himself, held them hostage. We don't know how he got in. And the, the Biden administration, we, well, we're not sure. He, he wasn't, you know, on our list. Really? He was on the list in London. He was on the list in Great Britain. He was a known terrorist. So I guess maybe the system is not working quite as well as they're claiming. And I don't know. I just don't see any concern about this. I see talk, blah, 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 but I don't see any real concern about it. And so pretty shameful. This is the way things are. We have to change it. All right, so um, one thing that's happening, of course, is that this week especially, the Senate is just haranguing uh, Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin, trying to get them to change their position on the filibuster. Why? Because they want to change election law so that they can, you know, have all kinds of people vote without any kind of uh, ID, without proof of citizenship. They want mail-in ballots. They want the same kind of disaster that happened in the presidential election of 2020, not just the presidential, but all the races. So um, so they're working really hard at it. I read this morning they're, they're devising all these schemes. I don't think that'll surprise you, will it? So far, you know, constitutionally they can't do it. Uh, but they're trying to find a way to do it no matter what so that they never lose power again. Do not misunderstand. We've talked about these voting acts that they presented time and time again. They come on lots of, you know, by lots of different uh, monikers. Always they sound great. Like, you know what? It's just like, let everyone vote. Come on, we can't, we can't disenfranchise people, I guess, including illegal immigrants. 
Uh, but um, there, yesterday, there is a there was a really good montage on Fox that I wanted to share with you. It starts with Mitch McConnell responding uh, to what the, the Democrats are doing in the Senate. Let's listen. The partisan election takeover bills that Democrats want to ram through this week are not, not in any way successors of the civil rights legislation from the mid-20th century. Members of this chamber were elected to debate and to vote, especially on an issue as vital to the beating heart of our democracy as voting rights. In 2024, should Manson and Cinema be primary? Uh, we'll, we'll address that when we get past this week. Yes, we'll address it. Yeah, they're, they're addressing it right now, putting tremendous pressure on Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin. In fact, Emily's List, which is a, oh, this formed, I'm guessing, I remember when they formed, uh, to support pro-choice, pro-abortion female candidates. That's been their main goal for decades now. And so Susan B. Anthony List was founded uh, in reaction to that. I remember it well because... Because I just remember it well. So Emily's List has grown to be, you know, they get a lot of money. They support a lot of candidates, and they love pro-abortion women. And by the way, so do the Republicans. The Republican Party is uh, bad on that issue. Oh, they talk a good game because they want you to reelect them. But when push comes to shove, they don't really care. They think that, you know, females who are a little trendy, uh, like uh, Kristen Sinema, I'm just, I'm just using her as an example. No, that's not so bad. We should get them in. They, were, they could win, and we could have a majority uh, it doesn't matter what they think about the issues. And so that's what's happening. So Emily's List now has uh, removed their support from Kristen Cinema, And that is a blow because uh, they, they are well-funded. They have a lot, of, a lot of money. And this is a problem for everyone who serves in Congress. They have to raise millions of dollars to be able to be reelected, uh, to continue their work. This can be – this is a good thing in some ways because uh, they don't they, – they shouldn't uh, stay in – Always and forever, but what happens is they become they become entrenched uh, and uh, they make deals. And the people with a lot of money, big companies and uh, millionaires, and all, get you know some favors. And so that's what helps them to get reelected every two years for congressmen and every six years for senators. So um, that's what's happening in the Senate. They're trying very hard uh, to get rid of that filibuster rule so that they can pass this really horrible voter legislation. Um, uh, and, and change our election rules. So we'll see if that happens. We talked yesterday about how Glenn Youngkin uh, won in uh, Virginia. And, of course, people in Virginia are just thrilled. And I don't blame them. I'm happy, too, very happy. They've worked so hard. And they are an example to us all of how to do it. Uh, as I said yesterday, Glenn, uh, Governor Youngkin fired like 30 people. No, 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 he didn't do that. His attorney general fired like 30 people in the um, – uh, in the attorney general's office, because you know they're 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 seeking the wrong kind of justice, not real justice, but favor, uh, giving favors to people, thinking about people's color and uh, whether they're women or men, just fixated on that and punishing people who don't feel like them. So they've been purged, shall we say? And that's a blessing. It was interesting. Uh, Glenn Youngkin uh, had a ceremony, and I think again it was very meaningful. We played a little bit of it for you yesterday, but uh, there is a woman who spoke. Uh, her name is Suparna Dutta. And she came to this country in 2020. Um, I don't know her educational background, but he, he, she worked in his campaign. Th could I just say this is when immigration is, this is great. This is the great kind of immigration. When people love the country, they come to make a new life here. They, they, um, they have appreciation. 
and understanding of our laws, our Constitution, so much better, really, than native-born people now, except for some exceptions, if you're homeschooling your kids or if you're older, you remember. Uh, but she, she was asked to speak at his inauguration, and I want you to hear what she said. This is clip 11. Too often we feel, I can't, or others will. For so many, engaging in our democracy feels like the road not taken. Have courage and faith to get involved, to be engaged in our Virginia. We will all be better for it. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though as for that, the passing there had borne them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood. And I? I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. May God bless you, Governor Yunkin. God bless Virginia, and God bless the United States of America. I love it. That's exciting. And uh, what she was reading, or what she was reciting, is a famous poem called The Road Not Taken, written by an American poet, Robert Frost, who was from my home state, by the way. I remember memorizing his stuff when I was a kid. So that's a classic American thing that she just did, and she's a new member of our, you know, a new person in our country, bringing fresh eyes, fresh appreciation, and uh, it's welcome. Um, Glenn Youngkin, uh, in one of his executive orders, he said that uh, children in school won't have to wear masks. The, The parents can decide. If they want their children in masks, they can wear masks. If they don't want their children in masks, they will not be forced to. Well, what happened after that? Fairfax County. Remember Fairfax County? Well, that's the one that uh, is in such turmoil. They're not learning, are they? They're still resisting. Arlington, very liberal Arlington. Alexandria, Henrico County. Um, There's a lot of conservatives in Henrico County, but a lot of changes that have been made. So they're having to still fight. Anyway, so school officials in those counties said, no way, you know, we're not going to listen to you. No executive order is going to make us do that. So Glenn Youngkin fired back and said, just wait and see. These are my words. Wait and see. We're going we're gonna to double down. We promised we would defend parents' rights, and we're going to do it. So wait and see what Glenn Youngkin does. How refreshing. You know, how refreshing. All right, so I want to talk about a lot of things to talk about. Um, yesterday I read that Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor, the, um, the guru of all things COVID, as she demonstrated in the arguments uh, 10 days ago or so, you know who she knows nothing about it. She lied on the bench. Either she, either she lied or she's just ignorant, really, because what she said is like there are over a hundred thousand kids on ventilators now. She said that um, yeah, uh, this new variant is more dangerous than the first variant, or as dangerous, and that's not true. But that's what she was swearing on the bench, and she did not come to the arguments because 
Uh, Justice Gorsuch, Gorsuch doesn't wear a mask, and she's not going to be in the same room with him. So she's continuing to do that. And so here's a little interesting sidelight. Mike Davis, I quote him a lot because I think Mike has great judgment and a lot of knowledge. He was the one who ushered Brett Kavanaugh through the Supreme Court nominations uh, for the Judiciary, Judiciary Committee of the Republicans. He knows his way around the block, and basically what he said is someone reported on Fox uh, that Chief Justice Roberts did not request that the justices wear masks to the arguments. So he, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. And Mike Davis says, a source at the Supreme Court says there has been no blanket admonition or request from G- Chief Justice Roberts that the other justices begin wearing masks to arguments. But uh, Mike says that's not true. So you could take that. So you can see why they are in a bubble. They don't. They have no idea what the real world is like. Scared to death, really literally in their IV tower, not all of them, not all of them, but scared to death. It's, it becomes twisted, and they have a skewed view of things because they don't, they don't have an accurate view of things. They only have some information. At least they, they're, they're clerks who do the bulk of the work. It's the way it is in D.C., whether you're a judge or a justice or a member of Congress or a senator. For the most part, it's your young staffers, and I do mean young. They're like in their 20s, maybe their 30s. That's kind of old for staffers. They're the ones giving you the information. So where do you think those kids are getting their information? Anyway, so some of us have been trying to st- uh, change that, and uh, so hopefully it'll make a difference. But the Supreme Court then made a decision yesterday uh, to reject an attempt uh, by Michael Sekliki and his son, who is an autistic four-year-old, uh, to get the courts to block the mask mandate on the plane because it just he freaks his child out. It's just terrible. I'm sure you've seen videos of other children freaking out. But the Supreme Court on Tuesday refused to hear it. Yeah, they wouldn't hear it. I don't know. You know, that doesn't mean all. They, that doesn't mean that all nine of them heard or know about it. It means that if someone is assigned to that geographic area, designated, and uh, a few of them can decide whether to hear the case. And they decided not to hear the case, even though the CEOs of these uh, uh, airlines testified before Congress just a, about a month ago about how safe the airlines are and how they've. Uh, establish these new filtration systems and that really the mask doesn't make that much difference. They didn't all say that. United, you know, they're doubling down. But American and I think Southwest uh, said, no, it's safe. You know, we don't need, people don't need to wear masks anymore. But that doesn't matter because Sotomayor and John Roberts and, you know, they know better. They just know better. Okay, stay tuned. We're going to have a really special guest next. And uh, so stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The Raising Godly Boys Minute with Mark Hancock. Have you ever met a boy who doesn't love a treehouse? But before a treehouse can be enjoyed, it must first be constructed. After design plans are created, wood is measured, cut, nailed together, and of course, don't forget the top secret door in the floor. The building process isn't only for treehouses. Parenting boys also requires careful planning and long-term construction. The question is, are you building character, purpose, and service into your son's life? This requires instruction, correction, and lots of patience. But through it all, generous amounts of laughter and love. Building isn't easy, but you aren't alone in this parenting journey. Visit Trail Life USA or RaisingGodlyBoys.com to download resources that can help. Dig deeper with free resources at RaisingGodlyBoys.com. 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 This is Pause to Pray. 
a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Rena Bitter, Assistant Secretary of State for Consular Affairs. She works for the welfare and protection of U.S. citizens abroad and for the protection of U.S. border security. Proverbs 3.23 reminds us of God's protection in our journey. Then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Rena Bitter as she works to facilitate international travel. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary sponsored by Liberty University. At Liberty University, we believe in honoring service. That's why we offer first responder and military communities deep discounts on all of our 450-plus online programs. Military students, veterans, and spouses pay just $250 per credit hour for undergraduate and $275 to $300 per credit hour for graduate and Ph.D. courses. First responders receive a 25% tuition discount, and those who qualify may be able to use both discounts for even greater savings. It's our way to say thank you for all you do. To learn more, text AGREE to 49595. The Associated Press reports the FBI is vetting some 25,000 National Guard troops in our nation's capital. Unnamed defense officials say they have tangible concerns about a possible insider attack against President-elect Joe Biden. So far, there is no concrete evidence of a plot, nor has anyone been flagged. But there are some unconfirmed reports that soldiers are being targeted for pro-Trump rhetoric on their social media accounts. It does make you wonder if the troops are being singled out for their vote on Election Day, or maybe just wearing a red Make America Great Again ball cap. What an insult to the brave men and women of the National Guard. They took an oath to protect and defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic, willing to put their lives on the line for every single person in this country. They know what it means to keep a promise, which is more than you can say about the folks in Congress. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Uh, it, it, it doesn't get any better from here, Laura. I think it continues to get worse as, as this president, Joe Biden, and the Democrat Party refuse to acknowledge the pain that the American people are going through completely ignoring inflation, completely ignoring all of the other issues that are affecting American families and working Americans. I imagine these poll numbers continue to get worse. As you said, two more Democrats announced today they're not going to run for re-election because they can no longer defend the president or their own party. There's 28 total. They see the writing on the wall. They know Republicans are going to win back the majority and they can't they can't defend it any longer. So that was Congressman Jim Banks from Indiana. He is part of the Freedom Caucus. You will remember that Jim, along with Jim Jordan and Jim Banks, they both got you know, like kicked off the J6 committee because they're outspoken, uh, they're courage, courageous. We have really some very fine congressmen and women in the Congress. But, you know, as social media chokes them out, and as now One America News is going to disappear, sounds like, from DirecTV, it's going to be harder to hear from them. And so, personally, I'm pledged to make sure you do hear from them. Because we talk about this is a battle. It is a battle. And we have some soldiers on the field right now. 
And I want to introduce you to you the brand new uh, uh, chairman of the Freedom Caucus. His name is Scott Perry. He is from, um, yeah, Pennsylvania, and he serves um, on. You know what, Scott? I'm going to confess to you that this bio is the tiniest print I've ever seen in my life. So if I make a mistake, please correct me. <laughs> but anyway, he, is a, uh, he was in the military for many years. He um, became um, <clears throat> lieutenant colonel and commanded the 2104 General Support Aviation Battalion, which deployed to Iraq from 2009 to 2010, during which he flew 44 combat missions he served as the assistant division commander of the 28th Infantry Division, uh, and he retired in March of 2019 and ran for Congress, and that's where he been, he's been serving faithfully ever since. I wanted to do that, Congressman Perry, because I want people to know the kind of courage. Um, it takes a ton of courage to serve right now, and you've got it. So thank you for that. Well, Sandy, thank, thank you. And, of course, you know, look— uh, all things are possible. I have a saying that uh, gets me through the tough times, and that is when you fear the good Lord, you have nothing else but fear. And, you know, we're, we're all here uh, doing our part. The, the good Lord has put us in a place for a reason. And uh, I have a, a, a little bit of an extra voice, uh, honored to represent 720, 750,000 Pennsylvanians. And and I intend to uh, to make the most of it every single day, and that that means you got to talk to your colleagues, you got to you got to speak to the world, and 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 sometimes you got to say uh, uncomfortable things to them, but they, they got to hear it. If that's the truth, they got to hear it, and that's what that's what we're here to do. Not we're not here to be a placeholder. We're here to do something and improve you know our our lot in life for for the citizens we represent, and. Um, I'm focused on doing that every single day. Just curious about, you know, here you have been in the military, you've been a commander of men, you've, you've flown these missions, and now you are in Congress where you're in the minority party, uh, you're like under the control of Nancy Pelosi. I mean, it's just a dreadful situation. How That, that must be maddening to not be able to have the power to really change things. How does, uh, am I reading that wrong, or how do you cope with that? Well, it is frustrating, uh, obviously. Uh, myself and, uh, and uh, of course, most Republicans don't agree with the speaker. We we don't want to dis- be disagreeable with her or anybody else. But, uh, you know, we've got a job to do, and we, we think they're taking the country in the wrong direction. It is tough to stand by and watch it happen. And, of course, we don't want to stand by. We, are, we, have, we you know, took a note to do something about it. But we're very limited on the things that we can do. They have the votes every single time, so they can pass everything that they want to. Uh, what we can do and what we have to do is continually, every single day, remind the American people um, that there's another alternative, remind them and tell them what's actually happening. Look, people are busy. They've got their lives. And every single day, you know, everybody goes through the same, same struggle. Things happen at work. Things happen at home. Things happen with your family you got to deal with those things. They're counting on us. They don't have time uh, to babysit us. We're their representative. We're doing, we're supposed to be doing in Congress what they would do if they were here. And so, with all due respect, you know, to the other side, we want to be respectful about it, but we're going to obstruct these things if we can um, that they're doing because we see them as problematic for our citizens, and we want to protect our citizens from these things. The federal government, as the Constitution drew it up, was supposed to be the weak government, and the states were supposed to be strong. And it's it's actually turned on its head, 
And now, you know, with the things like the, you know, these mandates and, uh, you know, look, I'm happy for the one uh, Supreme Court decision, but disappointed. And, and, and I, I fail to understand the other decision. But, you know, how can this federal government that's supposed to be weak tell you that you must inject something into your body or you can't earn a living? That seems so antithetical uh, to our Constitution and to me and to, uh, of course, many Republicans. Certainly the Freedom Caucus feels that way. Um, every single day we're going to shout those things from the rooftop, and we, if we have opportunities uh, to show it with our, our vote, we're going to do that, too. We've got to probably, you know, we're going to vote on another continuing resolution to fund the government coming up. Well, that shouldn't include voting for uh, continued vaccine mandates for anybody. Uh, you know, if you want to get uh, if you want to get the jab, God bless you. If you don't want to get the jab, God bless you. This is America. You should be able to make that choice. This is your health. We've heard for years, my choice, my body. And, of course, that unfortunately involves the, the murder of a small, you know, a little baby, innocent baby. But in this case, these are consenting, informed adults that aren't being allowed to make the choice. And the left, the one that often yelled that plea, my choice, my body, they're the ones that are, 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 are foisting this on the American people. And there's, of course, you know, depending on where you're working and what your livelihood and what the profession is that you spent half a lifetime preparing for, you don't get a choice. You know, if you're yeah, in the healthcare it's industry, terrible. you don't have a choice. It's terrible. Yeah, it's we talk about this every day. So many listeners, you know, have lost their jobs. and They're in the military. It's terrible. I, I talk about this almost every single day, a Congressman. I want to ask you just a practical thing. Then we'll, I want to get to, into policy with you. Um, so there was a um, – Muriel Bowser, the mayor of D.C., passed an ordinance or declared, I don't know exactly what it was, that everyone in D.C. now has to be vaccinated. You can't take a cab. You can't eat out. You can't go to an um, entertainment venue, et cetera, et cetera. You can't go to a hotel. So how is that affecting members on Capitol Hill and their staff who are not vaccinated? Well, I think it's affecting them and anybody here profoundly. Uh, it's essentially what she's saying is, as usual, the, the party of segregation is segregating us by our medical freedom choices, and 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 you you know they they want to make sure that you can't engage in the normal things in life if you're in Washington D.C. There's a reason that the founding fathers made Washington D.C. a federal enclave, and with all due respect to uh, to Mayor Bowser, she's there to make sure that the trash gets taken away on time and that the, the streets are safe. But if she can't handle those things, it's up to the Congress. It's actually up to the Congress. Uh, to make sure that this city is open for its citizens and that it's safe for its citizens. And she, at this point, she has proven, she has shown that she is incapable of doing the job. And, and so, unfortunately, as you said, Speaker Pelosi is in charge. They're not interested in changing anything here. I mean, what American wants to travel to their, their, their capital of their United States? And what if you want to redress your grievances, but you yeah. haven't taken the jab. Yeah. Well, you're Terrible. not allowed to because you can't get, you know, you can't travel the city. You can't get to anything to eat. Um, you know, I guess you can travel through the city, but that's not the point. The point is, is that this city is, is, you know, it is the property of the American people. And, and she's just excluded everybody that refuses to, for whatever reason, whether you have a religious exemption, whether you have national immunity, 
whether you have an, you know, whether you have concerns about it that come from your own physician in consultation with your physician, he said this city's off limits to you. I, I'm sorry that that cannot stand. Unfortunately, again, we're in the minority. Speaker Pelosi is going to allow that. Muriel Bowser and her are friends and colleagues. Um, but uh, as soon as we can get into the majority, and of course, you know, look, there's going to be a President Biden for another three years, unfortunately. But one of the things that we immediately must do is open up our capital to uh, to the American citizens who own it and, uh, and and start doing the job that Congress is made to do because the mayor of D.C. is either incompetent or a totalitarian dictator. And, and we don't have those in America. We're not supposed to have that in America. Yeah, well, and, and let me just say, this is it is horrendous, and they have really cut uh, conservatives off at the knees from even coming in to D.C. like they have before. This is all part of the plan, it seems to me. I saw, uh, you know, yesterday I saw a big semi-truck, trailer truck, go into the property. Now, I, I haven't confirmed this, but it was from in a news outlet, go into the White House and deliver these huge walls, concrete walls. Uh, and if it's true, which it seemed to be, it seemed real to me, they were putting those big walls up. I, this is frightening because I, I think, you know, uh, Republicans are talking about how they're going to win back. And I, I listen, I believe that's possible, but I also think that the left is not going to give up. They've made so many gains. I really am concerned about what kind of cards they're going to pull uh, before this, uh, the 2022 election. Your thoughts about that? Well, we're, we're as concerned as well. And, of course, like you said, we're in the minority here in, in D.C., but we're not necessarily in all of the states. And elections are supposed to be handled by the states. At least, you know, that's the Constitution I've read, both the, the federal Constitution, of course, our, our, our state Constitution in Pennsylvania. That, that's where, that's, that's where there, there really can be accountability. And legislatures across the country have been trying to tighten up uh, the election code, especially since the wide open pandemic changes that were made uh, on the election code. But you're absolutely right. The uh, the left is, is relentless. And you see it, whether it's in, in state election codes, uh, you see it at the, at the federal level with this new bill where they're trying to essentially legalize theft of the election. But you also see it with uh, the discussion regarding the filibuster. When the left cannot win based on its ideas, and, and, and fighting for those ideas and, and, and convincing the American public that those ideas are good, they simply change the rules, and they've been adept at that. Uh, uh, Republicans, conservatives, and just average citizens need to, be, uh, need to be aware of that and need to be on guard against that and make sure that we don't fall prey to, uh, to rhetoric that sounds good. They're calling this bill the Voting Rights Act. So, so no one's against the right for anybody to vote. Not the, it doesn't matter if you're left, right, or center. We want Americans voting, but what we don't want is unaccount. You know, this lack of accountability that the that the, the, the Democrats and the left want. This no excuse mail-in balloting where there are no there's no checks on who's voting or how many times you're voting. This counting the votes that come in after election day. Uh, those type of things. Or it's just literally a license to steal and a license to cheat, and uh, that, that's what the that's what the left has in store for us. And you're right; they're not going to go quietly into the night. They're going to fight tooth and nail, and they're going to become more desperate. And so we ha again have to stay on the high ground, uh, but we also have to be willing to fight for the things that we believe in, 
and do the things that are necessary. And that's the sometimes uncom- uncomfortable conversations we have to have uh, yep. by calling these things what they actually are. Let, let me t- go back to the Freedom Caucus, because I've been a fan for a very long time. People have heard me talk about it, but it's been a while. But, you know, when uh, Mark Meadows was in, uh, leading it, we, they, he, they were in the news more because Mark went to work for President Trump. And you know all the reasons. <clears throat> but Jim Jordan, uh, Jim Banks, Chip Roy, Louis Gomer, Mary Miller, who's been our guest, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, and there's a whole lot of other people. But I wanted to give people a flavor of the kind of people who are in the Freedom Caucus. These are the true patriots from my perspective. And you are growing not only in the House, but you guys have a, a pack, right? You have a pack that you're trying to expand your uh, membership in Congress by getting better people elected. Can you say something about that? It's called the House Freedom Fund, well, right? The House Freedom Fund, of course, look, it takes resources to uh, to fight this battle. And uh, the House Freedom Fund helps make sure we're here. There's also a super pack called House Freedom Action. Uh, any money that uh, any of the resources that go to those two organizations go directly to candidates. So I know that uh, you're often deceased with requests for resources for funding for the candidates that you like. If you believe in the people that you mentioned, uh, Rose, uh, uh, you know, on this uh, or Sandy on this show, um, if, if you're listening and you believe in these people in the Freedom Caucus and their mission, and their mission is to be a voice for the countless millions of Americans who feel like government has left them behind and has forgotten the Constitution and, and our rights. If you believe in the people that are willing to stand up and take the slings and arrows for that, the only way really to, uh, to make sure that your dollar gets to them is either directly contribute to that individual or to the House Freedom Fund or to, the, or to House Freedom Action. And that money all goes directly to candidates, getting candidates elected in the Freedom Caucus and and making sure that they're able to continue to fight. Because, l- listen, as you know, Sandy, it's not just uh, it's not just the left that we have to defend ourselves against. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's much on, of the establishment here in Washington, D.C. and around the country that, you know, people say to me, well, Washington's broken. And I say to them, oh, no, Washington's not broken. It's working like a fine, well-oiled machine. They're breaking the rest of the country. And when you come here and become a member of the Freedom Caucus and try and stop that, they come for you. And so we're surrounded by our enemies. And, of course, we need the ammunition to stay in the fight and to be in the fight. And we want to grow our ranks and uh, and maintain the good people that we have that are under assault every single day. And, and of course, I, I thank you for mentioning it because uh, the only way we can get here is with the good graces of the, of the good Lord and of, of great people like the ones that are listening to your show this morning. Well, and as a matter of fact, practically speaking, we're going to put this on our getter. We, we're using getter these days, Congressman, <laughs> trying to find the right outlet, sure. but so far it's working. A House Freedom Fund and also House Freedom Action. And I say often uh, that uh, this is my opinion. I'm not expecting you to weigh in, but I this is no time for me to suggest to my listeners that they give to the Republican Party. I would give to a candidate that you are sure is right on the issues, but I would do it through House Freedom Fund because they they have the ability to vet people. Because you can be you can be fooled. Oh my goodness, can you be fooled? And I don't want to spend time talking about how that looks. Uh, but all of us have been fooled. And um, well, at the Sandy, House Freedom Caucus, you're, you're absolutely right. We've all heard the advertisements. It's primary time. Everybody you listen to, you listen to me like, well, they sound good to me. And somehow they get to their state capital or to Washington D.C. and it doesn't turn out right. And you wonder what happened here. The House Freedom Fund and Freedom Action vet these candidates, and, and we make sure that there's much more than just rhetoric. I've talked to and been disappointed by many, many 
people that wanted to come in and represent, I'm sure as your listeners have as well. Um, and uh, if you can find an outlet that does the hard vetting, especially for people that don't have never voted on issues before, they can tell you anything. And so how do you exactly. really know? Uh, we have a formula to make sure that these people are going to come to Washington, D.C. and fight for our Constitution and our rights and the, the good things about our country uh, and, and not turn into disappointments for us. Also, the House Freedom, uh, let me just mention this. We won't dwell on this, but they are expanding to various states around the country. I think you guys are opening up a shop in Georgia and some other places. So I just want to say that just so you can be watching for it. Now, two, two things quickly before I say goodbye to you. We have to say that you are being hassled by the J6 Kangaroo Court Committee in the House. Where does that stand for you? Well, they have requested. Uh, I was the first uh, member of Congress. They asked me to come in voluntarily and speak to this, uh, what I call a illegitimate committee and I, or, or entity. It's not even a committee. Uh, it, it's, it, they, they want to call themselves a committee, but what they actually are is a, is a, um, a, a political campaign uh, uh, used to go after their enemies at, at the, at, with the funding of the U.S. taxpayer. Uh, I declined their request. Then following me was Representative, our friend Jim Jordan from Ohio, and then following him was uh, the Republican leader, the minority leader, Kevin McCarthy, all have declined. And now we're standing by to see what's next. Of course, none of us uh, sit on the committee. The committee is illegitimate for a number of reasons. But one of those reasons is, is that because all committees in Congress at least have a ranking member from the minority side, and the minority side's allowed to pick their members <laughs> to sit on it. Of course, that's not the case. These are people that are partisan. They've already decided in their mind what the outcome of any questioning should be. And they look to, uh, to essentially criminalize those who have disagreed with them on a number of topics, not the least of which was, is the 2020 election. If, and if you have any disagreements or any questions about the fidelity of that election, they want to criminalize. <laughs> Your yes. uh, your dissension, your disagreement with that, and and if they can, they will try and send uh, they will try and send us to prison. Look what they're doing uh, with yeah. so many of the protesters. Some were rioters for sure, and they deserve their they deserve what the, the law has coming to them. But many people were protesting what they felt was uh, uh, a, you know a, an election that had questions, and uh, you know to have the FBI call you and things like that when. Uh, look, and it goes beyond just uh, just J6. I mean, now they're trying to use the instruments of federal power to go after citizens that question the very school that their children's go that their children are attending that they're paying for in their taxes. So um, yes, and this we is should not say, stop, ladies. This, let me interject because we just have a minute. I know that you've written a really strong letter to Education Secretary Miguel uh, Cardona because we found out that he was uh, he instigated that letter that was written by the Attorney General to threaten parents and to kind of label them as domestic terrorists. And so we'll put that uh, that letter, uh, Congressman, on our, our Getter account and all the other accounts, too, but just so people can read it. Is there anything they can do? Can they sign it, comment? What can they do to help you? Well, they can certainly comment and ask their representative to make sure that this, uh, this individual that represents this administration, the United States government, is fired in disgrace for using the instruments of federal power to persecute law-abiding citizens yes. for having an opinion. Okay, we will put that uh, letter so people will be aware of how hard you guys, and you particularly, are fighting. New chairman of the Freedom Caucus, we're so happy to have you there, Congressman Perry, and look forward to talking to you again. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
We live in a spiritually dark world, and as believers, we're called to live differently. In fact, the standards God sets are incredibly high. Discover how we measure up and learn about the ongoing process God uses to make us more like Jesus. All this week on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Truth For Life, weekday mornings at 1130 Central on AFR and online at AFR.net. Oh, Lord, please let me make it. Please, Lord. Come on, come on. American Family Association or American Family Radio. I missed the show again. Can't find the time to catch the live shows? No worries. Wait, what? You can listen and download all your favorite shows for free. For free? That's right, for free. Just visit the podcast page on AFR.net. Lord. AFR.net. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Statistics show that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and to commit crime. They're nine times more likely to drop out of school and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. Yet the percentage of children born to fatherless homes has skyrocketed in America. As of 2015, 25% of white, 53% of Hispanic, and 73% of black babies are born into fatherless homes. While scripture teaches that the weight of raising children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord falls upon fathers. Seems like we need a movement that says fatherhood matters. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Here's some great news. If you miss the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or if like a lot of people, you just have a plan you're not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's a Christian healthcare sharing program. There are more than 400,000 members now, and they love it. In fact, MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to that of health insurance. And MediShare really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. It's been around more than 25 years. Members have shared more than $4 billion of each other's medical bills. Plus, MediShare is for you. It has saved its members billions by advocating on their behalf. Best of all, the typical savings for a family is around $6,000 a year. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. MediShare has a 98% customer satisfaction rating, and you are invited to be part of it. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. There's a lot of loose talk at the moment about voting rights. The question is not so much what those rights are, but who gets to exercise them, and what partisans denouncing Republican state and federal legislators for suppressing the vote are really concerned about is that people who are not legal voters will be prevented from casting ballots. That would include, notably, illegal aliens, every one of whom can disenfranchise American citizens by effectively negating their ballots. Fortunately, Biden and company currently cannot enact legislation that would institutionalize fraud-conducive voting arrangements like those that compromised the 2020 presidential election. But they are establishing in New York City the model for ending the citizenship requirement for voting that will surely be replicated in Democratic strongholds across the country. This must not be allowed to happen to your voting rights. This is Frank Gaffney. 
Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Scott Kleiner suffering from the impacts of COVID and reportedly pneumonia that has ravaged his lungs tonight is in a Texas hospital. His family hoping and praying he can get the life-saving medical care he needs. The 55-year-old operations manager at a Twin Cities area trucking and logistics firm transferred out of Mercy Hospital in Coon Rapids over the weekend, where he's been hooked up to a ventilator for more than two months. This is a life-saving thing. It's going to be critical. Just last week, Scott's wife, who was power of attorney over his health care decisions, brought on lawyer Marjorie Holston to stop Alina from pulling the plug on the ventilator they believe is keeping Scott alive. The family has stated in public comments and social media that Alina would not treat Scott with certain drugs and attempt other extraordinary measures that might otherwise save his life. When the medical team allegedly told them Scott had just a couple more days on the ventilator, Holston rushed to court to get this restraining order. The judge signing it Thursday. I don't think the judge wanted to be on the wrong side of saying, well, of course you should be able to pull the plug. I mean, yeah. So the judge was correct doing that. Over the weekend, Scott was transferred on a medical flight to an unidentified hospital in Texas, apparently willing to meet the family's medical wishes for life-saving treatments. By Sunday evening, he was already said to be improving on the ventilator while being weaned from the heavy sedatives and provided extra nutrients. I think the world is watching what's going on with Scott. And as he, as he gets better and better, we're going to see that, you know what, there are protocols that should be used that hospitals have not been using. And I'm hoping that changes are going to be made as a result of this case. All right. Uh, what else can I say? That just tells the story. We've talked about this so often. I remember way back when we were still in the throes of the early stages of COVID, I played for you audio of a nurse who had been, I believe, in Iraq. Uh, she'd seen all kinds of trauma, and she was from Florida, and she saw what was happening in New York hospitals, so she packed her bags and went up there like crazy, uh, like, a you know, as fast as she could get up there to help because we were being told there were all these shortages and people were dying, and I'm not saying it wasn't happening, but there was a lot of deception there, and she talks about it. And she talked about when people go on the ventilator, that's it. They die. She didn't seem to really know why, except that she says they start putting them on all these drugs and they, they never come out. They just never do. And so this is what's happening. You could hear them say they had him all kinds of drugs. I don't know if that report said, but I saw in another one, that his, uh, his organs are otherwise very healthy. It's, his, it's the pneumonia. He needs to be treated for pneumonia and be taken, you know, be able to breathe on his own and be given other drugs that we've talked about many, many times. But that's a Minnesota man. If he recovers, there's another one, another story like that. And that should put places like Mayo to shame for allowing for a judge refusing treatment of a man in their hospital in Jacksonville, Florida, where the wife has begged uh, for them to give him other treatments. They won't even let her go in to see him. And it's a tragedy. And so... um all right, so here's what's happening with doctors. Just some stories. Speaking of doctors, a Houston doctor, previously in the spotlight after being suspended by Houston Methodist Hospital, after they accused her of spreading COVID-19 misinformation, is now suing. Ear, nose, and throat specialist Dr. Mary Bowden, who runs a private practice, announced that the suit on Monday, announced the suit on Monday. Fox 26 in Houston reported, Bowden's lawsuit asks for data from Methodist Hospital detailing the effects of the vaccines and financial reports. She held provisional privileges at Houston Methodist prior to her resignation after the public dispute. Well, anyway, that's she said basically her, her line was 
vaccine mandates are wrong. And um, she's trying to help save patients by giving them ivermectin and um, all kinds of drugs. And so she's suing now the hospital, which is, I think, exactly what's going to happen. It's going to have to happen. It's going to have to happen by a lot of them. And I think there will be charges. I think there will be a murder. There should be. Because by now, these hospitals, let's just say this, the hospital um, administration, they know. You think they don't know what they're doing. You think they don't understand that they're getting thousands and thousands. I think I read $100,000 per COVID, so-called COVID patient, not to mention giving remdesivir. They get huge money for that. They get money for putting people on ventilators. It is criminal what's been happening. Another story. This is a doctor in Maine. They are, what's her name? Let's see. She is an MIT-educated anti-vaxxer doctor who treated COVID patients with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. She's had her license suspended and must undergo psychiatric evaluation for spreading misinformation. Her name is Dr. Merrill Ness. Uh, So let's see. Can you believe that? We're from Maine, and she has to have psychiatric evaluation. You know, this is, someone pointed this out, and it reminded me, but some of you might not know. This is exactly what the Soviets did when they had dissidents. I'll use my fingers like a quotes. Dissidents. They had to retrain them. They had to be, they had to be, they were given sometimes drugs. They were sent to the gulag, reprogrammed, retrained, which sounds a little bit like J6, the people in the, in the, in the jails. Awaiting trial, doesn't it? They have to have to think a certain way. They have to think, for instance, that the uh, election was fair. There was no. It's a big lie. They have to believe that the election fraud that's been reported in so many states is a big lie propagated by Donald Trump, and they must recant, like Martin Luther had. To, they wanted him to recant his belief that you were saved by uh, by grace, God's grace, and not by your works. And he, they wanted him to recant, too. He almost lost his life. It kind of reminds me of that stuff. How about you? Boy, all the stories of the, the Soviet dissidents and then the Chinese dissidents, it's just, it's very creepy. And I have spent quite a bit of my life uh, interacting with people like that, both in Russia and China several times, uh, in North Korea. Just, I could go on. I just know a lot about this. Same story, same tune. These oppressive regimes won't stop until every person bows the knee to them. It's kind of what happened with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, You will, you know, you will bow down. And they said, they understood. And they said, we're not going to. We won't do it. And, of course, God spared them. But we won't all be spared. Some of us will pay a huge price for standing tall on what we believe is the truth and refusing to compromise. So we'll see what happens with that doctor up in Maine. I told you about truckers yesterday. I like truckers because they they listen to a lot of news and information, and they're very informed. And so I told you that a vaccine mandate was going into effect, the border between Canada and the United States. I don't know whose who's mandate. Canada's crazy right now, so it could be theirs, but it also could be ours because we're a little crazy too. But there is a huge uh, protest. And so uh, they are warning, uh, drivers are warning people about food supply disruption and higher prices. You think that might happen? Perhaps? You think of those trucks can't get over the border and back unless these truckers who are in a cab, you know, by themselves for hours on the road, uh, aren't vaccinated and that they must be vaccinated? It makes no sense now since we know that vaccinated people uh, are, you know, get come down with COVID the same and vaxxed and boosted, it doesn't seem to make a difference. 
Uh, so I'm uh, anyway. I don't want to tell you one other thing. Uh, Joe Rogan is not someone that I've been familiar with. I've just heard his name a bunch, and because he has been in the news, and now I've seen a little bit about why he is. He's good. He's a podcaster, and he's got like I don't know something like 11 million followers, and they're coming after him with a vengeance because he took ivermectin and I think monoclonal antibodies to get over COVID, and he talked about it on his show. And his show has more. If that's the right number, he has got more listeners. By in spades than CNN or MSNBC. He's dangerous. He must be stopped because he's influential. So they're trying to stop him. In fact, 270 so-called doctors co-signed an open letter to Spotify. That's where his platform is, demanding the company take action against podcast host Joe Rogan for promoting what they call COVID-related misinformation. So, but it turns out uh, the media recircled the letter, and let's see, all kinds of people did. I think the Washington Post, Rolling Stone, Forbes, Guardian. Aha, see, these doctors, they are calling him out. How dare he do this, this denier? But it turns out now, uh, only 87 of them are medical doctors or doctors of osteopathic medicine. Uh, also, uh, uh, some of the signers are nurse practitioners, veterinarians, a dentist, some Ph.D. candidates, and some Ph.D.s who are not doctors. Psychologists, physicians, assistants, medical students, an engineer, and a podcast host. They were also on the list. So it's, uh, but they called it. They led with 270 doctors demanding Spotify take action against Joe Rogan. Well, not so much. More, more, uh, gosh, is that the disinformation you think? Maybe. I kind of think, yes, it is. So don't be fooled, ladies and gentlemen, and be sure, you know, speak to your friends. If they have an ear for listening, try to give them, lead them to some good sources. And let's see if we can just by nature get out of this by having people be more informed about really what is the truth. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.